All right, everyone's being recorded. Just wait for everyone's uploads to start. All right. Welcome back into One Winning Pod, where we will be looking ahead to the Ravens' Sunday night football game in Jacksonville. Man, this was a great game last year. From an excitement standpoint, obviously, the Ravens did not pull off the win there. Uh, but look, the Ravens are going to get another crack at them. Both teams uh, really high in the divisional uh, playoff race for the AFC. Uh, it's going to be a great matchup. And here to talk us with this game for us, um, we're welcoming to the podcast uh, Justin Dunk from the Believe a Podcast Network. Uh, Justin, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me on. So, uh, Justin, you want to uh, just plug what you're doing over at uh, Believe and any other other projects you're doing right now? For sure, man. I'll do it real quick. So you can follow me on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it these days, at jdunk12. <laughs> and we've got the Believe in Jaguars show, which is running at the Believe Network, as you mentioned there, brings on various guests, kind of like you guys are doing with me this week. We have people from opposing markets and then also people from in the market in Jacksonville to give you the best insight we can about the Jaguars. And also I cover a lot of Canadian football, CFL, Canadian University football, and guys that are going from Canada to the pros, just like Tavius Robinson has done from my hometown Guelph, Ontario. It's just outside of Toronto for the uninitiated. He actually went to the rival high school. I played for John F. Ross in Guelph. He played for GCVI. He was a little bit younger than me, so we didn't go against each other. But I realized this kid was going to have a shot to go to the NFL very young because he was so tall, rangy, a lengthy dude. And he's gone along here and put on this weight on his frame so i'll give you one kind of unique story about tavius before we get going here the interesting part about him is he never really thought that he was this high level football player a very under the radar kind of a guy he is not cocky he's far from it he can be confident though so he goes to university of guelph which is i said is where i played my university football was a quarterback there started for five years Davius was a defensive lineman. He earns conference all-star. COVID happens. The season gets canceled. And then he's thinking, well, you know, I got to continue to play somehow. So Lane Kiffin down at Ole Miss offers him a scholarship to go down there and play for the Rebels. And all of a sudden he gets drafted, you know, in the mid rounds by the Ravens and he's starting ball games and he has already a sack with Baltimore, man. So it's so great to see a kid kind of coming out of nowhere. Guelph, Ontario, first kid ever to come from Guelph and play in the NFL. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, Tavius. Yeah. We love, we love him. I mean, I think we were just talking before the show about him and uh, yeah, it's just one of those guys we really liked uh, coming out of college. Um, one of those guys, like you could really tell would be um, kind of in the the history of, of Ravens drafting these mid round defensive guys who, you know, maybe not be starting right away, but take a couple of years for to develop. But you could tell there's just like some intangibles about him. You know, you like obviously you like the you know the size combinations you have. He's got tremendous length. Uh, you love his effort as well. He's a, definitely a, a high motor guy who um, you know you could you could see it in the games. Um, you know, plays the run very well and 
and a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think I can speak for Peter and I here where, you know, this year where I think we're seeing more from him than, you know, maybe either of us have expected. But, uh, yeah, definitely liking what we're seeing so far. And, and, I mean, that's just an awesome story to have these personal connections. Well, we love hearing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tavius Robinson, man, it uh, looks like a, a, another late round find for the Ravens. Uh, we love seeing that. And, you know, uh, maybe we wouldn't have led this episode uh, with Tavius Robinson had uh, there not been a personal connection with you. But, um, you know, I, I think that it actually is a good way to open this episode. And the reason I say that is because, you know, Tavius Robinson, a guy who's stepped up and had an impact more than expected due to injuries. And, you know, while I wouldn't say that either the Ravens or the Jaguars have suffered a, a ton of injuries, certainly this late in the year, you know, that is something that is playing a huge role in these games is, you know, teams are banged up. They've got starters going down and who's going to step up and, and keep the, the flag, you know, chugging along uh, when those guys do. Tavius Robinson is a guy who's done it for the Ravens. There's been some other guys. I'm sure there's been guys on the, the Jaguars as well um, that you could point to who, you know, maybe not guys that listeners of this podcast are familiar with because they don't follow the Jaguars like they follow the Ravens. But um, yeah, I mean, at this point in the season, uh, teams are, are all, you know, suffering injuries to key guys and guys have to step up. You're right, man. And that's the case with the Jaguars, as you mentioned there, especially you go back to week 13, the Monday night football game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Everybody across the States and Canada and probably maybe even the globe was picking the Jags to win that game, right? You had Jake Browning making just his second career NFL start, Joe Burrow out for the season. So Jags going there as heavy favorites in that game. I think the line was around 10 points in favor of the Jaguars at home. Jacksonville ends up losing the game. Trevor Lawrence suffers a right high ankle sprain, though he did play and looked pretty much just fine against Cleveland in week 14. We'll get to that in a second. But then they have their left tackle at the time. Walker Little goes down with a hamstring injury. Cam Robinson, the guy that should be starting at left tackle for them, is on IR. Christian Kirk, the first play of that game against Cincinnati, catches a deep ball but then suffers a core muscle injury, he's probably going to go on IR. There's maybe a chance he can get back, depending how deep the Jaguars go in the playoffs, but he's arguably their most reliable receiver, and at the time, he was their most productive receiver. Then they go up to Cleveland. Andre Sisco, a rising safety for Jacksonville, gets hurt there. He's out of the game. The guy that had to start for Walker Little, who I mentioned earlier, that got hurt against Cincinnati, Ezra Cleveland, making his first career start at left tackle in the NFL. He had been a guard with Minnesota, and then Jacksonville brought him over at the trade deadline. He kicks out to left tackle. He gets hurt. So they got to reshuffle the offensive line again with Tyler Shatley and Blake Hance on that left side. So the Jags have been dealing with their own injuries, just like everybody else. And I really think it's just par for the course now, especially with this expanded season. Yeah, definitely. I, I kind of want to go right into it as well. You know, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence kind of on that list. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he did end up playing in that game against Cleveland. I just wanted to get your, you know, take Justin of like, how do you think he uh, performed that game? Um, you know, and maybe you can talk about the other offenses as a whole of guys kind of stepping up. Like, how did you think that uh, they played against Cleveland? I think especially for the offense, they could have played much better. It seemed like they were asleep for a bunch of the start of that game, especially now granted they were going in there against the 
NFL's top-rated defense in a lot of categories, and the dog pound can be really loud. But the Jags have been really good on the road and away from Jacksonville this season. Up until that game, they were 6-0 and in games outside of Jacksonville. That's including one of the London games where they were, quote, like, a road team. But, you know, in reality, even the other game that they played over there, they were a home team, but it's still a road game. I don't care what people say. So it just looked like a totally different team, even though the locker room really felt this push from Lawrence to play through that high ankle sprain. And he looked great. He clearly did everything he could behind the scenes, had a walking boot on for a little bit, then a compression sock on Wednesday when he had immediate availability that day, walked without a limp and really never looked like he was not going to start that game. But he didn't seem like he was playing to his usual level, especially at the start of the game. There were some interceptions in that game that were not favorable to Lawrence. It did not look good on him. There was another one where Calvin Ridley and him in the red zone just weren't on the same page. But I think he has been on the wrong end of a lot of drops. The Jaguars have dropped a lot of passes. Ridley has been one of those guys who has been very inconsistent for this team in dropping balls at key times or having mental errors at key times as well. It's really costing this offense. But they have a major issue and I think this is going to be difficult against Ravens to get it going, of running the ball, especially inside the tackles. You look at Travis Etienne Jr.'s yards per carry average, and it's low. It's under four. And against the Browns, it was under three. So they have at times tried to commit to the run, hoping to get one big rip from Etienne Jr., but that hasn't happened of late. And then on defense, they had – a number of errors that led to Joe Flacco throwing for over 300 yards in that game. David Njoku was running completely free for two touchdowns. And then on a fourth down situation, Darius Williams slips. Granted, he slips on the turf. And David Bell takes it to the house for a 41-yard touchdown that kind of broke the back of the Jags in that game. So they're not playing as consistent complementary football as Jacksonville did early in the season. And they better bring it because – you guys and I well know how physical the Ravens are going to be on Sunday night. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I'm sure you remember that game clearly what that was last year. We remember it. Um, both sides of, of that game where it was a physical game. And I think that something that was really interesting about that game. Um, gosh, there's so much you said that I want to unpack, but I, I think we want to delve a little more into um Trevor Lawrence, because you're talking about, um, you know, defensively, there's some cracks have been shown over the past couple weeks. Um, just like we were talking about in our previous episode, the Ravens defense, which has been so good this year, um, struggled a little bit against the Rams. So Lamar Jackson had to step up and, and do a little more than he's usually had to do this year. Um, you look at his statistics, you know, they're not his touchdowns aren't you know quite as high as, as some of the other guys in the league. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, to me, I think is such an interesting guy. Comes in as this, as this huge prospect, and he's had a pretty good start to his career, in my opinion. But it feels like the general NFL world is still waiting for him to take that next step, right? You know, he, he's not quite on the level, right, of a Patrick Mahomes or, or a, you know, um, Josh Allen right now, um, from my perspective. But as you, as someone who follows the Jaguars, what do you see from Trevor Lawrence, what he's shown so far in his career versus, you know, what the expectation of him coming out of college uh, has been? Is he living up to your expectations or are you, are you waiting for him to, to, you know, 
just take that last step to be that that superstar that he's projected to be? There's definitely a step or two there to be taken from Lawrence at this point, but I still think he's on a pretty nice upward trajectory, right? In the stock market, you always want to see up and to the right. And I think that that is really the case with Lawrence. That said, sometimes trajectories aren't always a straight line, right? You can have a couple steps backwards and take a big leap forwards. And I think overall, Lawrence is at a pretty good spot. But when you're the number one pick and you're the face of the franchise for so long, and especially in Jacksonville, getting it turned around there, everybody's looking at him all the time to make a number of big plays. And I don't think he's at that level yet with a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen, because I kind of think those two guys are at a level all on their own in terms of being able to put their team on their shoulders. I think Lamar Jackson is really close to that. You know, a lot of people are talking about Brock Purdy and is he a system QB or not a system QB, but in terms of Lawrence, I still think there is a step to go there and he's really going to be tested here without Kirk for probably the rest of the regular season because he was so reliable. Now he's going to have to deal with Ridley who has been inconsistent at times it seems like they've been on the same page, but then there's spurts where it doesn't seem like they're seeing it the same way. And sometimes it becomes very clear, like that interception that happened in Cleveland in the red zone that I mentioned. And Zay Jones, I think, is a real key to this offense. But ever since he's been dealing with this nagging knee injury that he suffered rather early in the season, I don't think this offense has been quite as dangerous. He doesn't have that same top-end speed. And we saw that against the Browns. There were a couple plays there to be made one right in his hands that could have changed the momentum of that game and gave Jacksonville a real boost, but he wasn't able to make it. And I think a large part of that is due to this knee issue that he's been dealing with. Evan Ingram is an outstanding tight end. I really think he's underrated. He got in the end zone twice against Cleveland, but there are still times where I'm expecting Lawrence to be able to make a throw into a tight window down the field or convert a third down that you need if you're going to talk about this guy being in the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the NFL. And I'm kind of waiting for him to do that more consistently this season. He's right up there. If you look at pro football focus and their grading system, he's among the best in the league. But I still think at those critical times, he needs to come through, especially third downs, guys. Third down has been a very sore spot for this Jacksonville offense. They're in the bottom third of the league when you talk about third down conversion percentage this season so i think lawrence needs to be better and step up on those critical money down situations yeah definitely i mean and you know you kind of mentioned it too one of the things that really helps um you know in this third and you know third and medium third and short situations um is having a run game that you can rely on to be able to pick those uh pick up those first downs and uh, yeah, I kind of wanted to pivot over to ETN a little bit to kind of get your take for, you know, kind of how he's been this season. But, um, you know, he's one of those players to me, I feel like, you know, he can be, you know, extremely dynamic. He's obviously used in both the run and the passing game. He brings a really unique skill set to this offense. Um, but, you know, he's he's not necessarily one of those guys who I feel like is um, can reliably, you know, always be able to convert those. He's definitely a little bit more of a smaller back, I think. Um, you know, not like a, not built like the Derrick Henry or, you know, some of the bigger running backs and in, in that aspect. So what have you seen from him? And, and you know, how do you think, you know, ETN could, um, you know, play in this game and try to take some of that pressure off of Lawrence? What we've seen from ETN Jr. in 2023 is the fact that he can handle a heavy workload, right? You guys remember there were questions when he was coming out of Clemson University there 
with his good buddy T-Law, Trevor Lawrence, as to whether or not he would be more of a scat back, a guy that's kind of maybe used in those various roles, but maybe you can't give it to him 20 times in a game, whether that's running or receiving. But he's shown this year that he can do that. And I think the main reason for his yards per carry this season being so low is the interior of that Jacksonville offensive line has lacked consistency and they have not been able to create a push on a consistent basis. Yes, there have been different guys in there and they only really had Cam Robinson for like a handful of games there. And the offensive line seems like it's changed a lot. But the three guys in the middle, you go from center, right guard, and right tackle have all been the same. Luke Fortner, Brandon Sheriff, and Anton Harrison. Harrison, yes, he's a rookie. Those three guys have largely been the same this season. So I think there needs to be more push from the Jaguars' interior to help ETN Jr. out. But the other thing that's happened, fellas, is Tank Bigsby, a guy that they drafted fairly high in the NFL draft, hasn't panned out early on the way that he might have seemed like he would when they picked him. He got some touches early in the season, had some ball security issues, you know, had a play where he thought the whistle was blown. It was knocked away. The ball was taken the other way back for a touchdown in Indy in week one. And that didn't help him gain the trust of the coaching staff. So we haven't really seen much of Bigsby. We saw him sprinkled in a little bit in the Wildcat there with ETN Jr. in Cleveland. But again, it was ETN Jr. on those carries. We've seen more of Dearness Johnson being used because he has earned more of the trust from Doug Peterson and Press Taylor, the offensive coordinator. So I think that's been part of the issue why ETN Jr., maybe is not at his most productive because he's had to shoulder literally the entire load in the running game. I think Jacksonville's offense could potentially be at its best when Johnson or Bigsby, who they were really high on when they took him in the draft, step up and have some runs that are consistent where he can take away some of those touches on ETN Jr.'s plate. Yeah, Tank Bigsby's uh, uh, early season has been definitely very interesting. Um, a bit disappointing for him. I mean, you've had uh, this running back class, I feel, has been huge this year. So many guys hitting their stride. But um, like you said, still early in his career. We'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I think that's an interesting matchup to watch in this game. So you're saying um, it was actually the question that I was going to lead with you next on discussing the the interior of the Jaguars offensive line um, that's been an interesting one as a matchup perspective for the Ravens this year we've seen games where the Ravens have really dominated that like against uh, Seattle and against uh, Detroit um, but then you have other games weirdly against Arizona um, this past game against the Rams where uh, the, the teams have been able to have some success rushing in there but you know there's a lot of big bodies up there with with the Ravens, Michael Pierce, um, he's been better against as a pass rusher this year than as a run stuffer, but he's been in there on the run. Um, uh, Justin Matabike, uh, Travis Jones, there's big guys there who I think will match up really well and, and cause some problems for the interior of the, of the Jaguars line. But um, yeah, I think that's going to be a, one of the keys you look at of this game, who wins that matchup. You know, if the Jaguars are able to get ETN running, that's going to, I think lead to a closer game, but if the Ravens can stop them, um, you know, you're talking about the the Jaguars uh, without uh, Christian Kirk. You have to rely more on on Ridley and, and Evan Ingram. Uh, I, that's probably not not what the Jaguars want to be right now. Uh, 
be kind of one-dimensional in the passing attack based on how you're framing it right now. Exactly. Not at all. And I think they would like to establish the run more, but that push just hasn't been there. Etienne Jr. has created a lot of yards after contact. He's been right up there among the NFL leaders in that stack category all season long, kind of going back and forth with CMC Christian McCaffrey. In terms of that yards after contact, he's created a lot of yards on his own with not much blocking. Some of that is due to the injury issues and the inconsistency in terms of who's starting up on the offensive line, but they just have to be better because you alluded to it. And we saw this happen in Cleveland that they just could not run the ball consistently. They went to the wildcat a little bit, but even out of that, the defense knows they're going to run. They haven't shown any plays off of that. And especially against the Browns. And I would think against the Ravens too, you're not going to want to have a trick play and put the ball in Lawrence's hands when he's dealing with this high ankle sprain. So I don't really understand using the Wildcat as much as they have. Yeah, he did score the touchdown on it, which was a really nice run, and the body control was crazy for ETN Jr. to keep his legs off the ground and actually get into the end zone. They initially ruled it not a touchdown, but the fact that he has that kind of athleticism shows you how good this guy can be. And perhaps it only takes one crease, one run to get a chunk gain and really bring some of that confidence back. But right now I think it's advantage Ravens when you're talking about stuffing the run up front on that defense because Jacksonville has not been good enough at it. And you mentioned, you know, the injury issue with Kirk there. Parker Washington is going to be a guy that they're going to look to. He's a rookie. He had a pretty good game on Monday night football when he made his first catches in the NFL, six for 61 and touchdown, but he had a fumble early on against the Browns came back with a touchdown in that game. So he's, flashed a little bit but really the guy that's got to step up here and I think would help the run game is Ridley he's been so quiet especially of late him and Zay Jones have to get going one of the major numbers that stuck out to a lot of people around Jacksonville and that loss to Cleveland was nine of 27 Trevor Lawrence targeted either Calvin Ridley or Zay Jones 27 times in that game there were only nine completions that cannot happen if you're expecting to beat anybody in the NFL, <laughs> let alone this feisty Ravens defense. Yeah, certainly. I mean, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of incompletions. Um, yeah, and you know, it's funny too. I mean, looking back to that game uh, last year against the Jags, where you guys end up winning that one, um, Zay Jones was a huge difference in that game. Um, he just feasted on on the matchups that he had against our cornerbacks. So. Yeah, I mean, I think um, there's certainly, I think there's an opportunity. I think, like we were talking about with um, with the Rams recap, the you know the secondary is a little shaky. Um, you know, it was, it, it has been a, um, I won't say a strength of the team, but it's been it's been a better position group than we originally anticipated going into the season. Uh, really, you know, we had Marlon Humphrey and we had our safeties that were generally high on um, as a group. But um, behind Marlon Humphrey, we were very concerned. Um, Brandon Stevens was a player who, you know, in the beginning of the season, uh, played a little bit of cornerback, played a little bit of safety. But honestly, I think people had a lot of concerns about him being your second cornerback. Well, Marlon ends up getting hurt. And so Brandon Stevens is now thrust to that cornerback one role. And we have a bunch of guys that we end up signing, Rocky Sin and Ronald Darby, who ended up kind of uh, having to fill out that corner room. And and to be honest, um, you know, for most of the season, I think it's been a pleasant surprise. I think um, a lot of those players, I think Stevens has been way better than advertised. I think Darby has been a really solid player. Rocky Sin, maybe not there yet, but um, has played a, a little bit. 
but uh but this game against the rams definitely a little shaky um stevens i think played okay marlin uh came back from uh, his injury he looked a little shaky and uh you know and i think the the other guy who i kind of have to talk about as well who i think is going to be a, a key matchup between the ravens and, and the jags here is if kyle hamilton is going to play um he ended up uh playing a about half the game against the Rams. Um, they ended up pulling him out and then putting him back in and then pulling him out again. Um, it seems like he has a grade one MCL. Um, so I, they're not guaranteed to miss any time. Um, you know, might make it back for the Jags game. Might not. Depends on what the Ravens want to do. But uh, but honestly, I mean, he is going to be the key. Um, if, if he's in, he's going to be matching up against, you know, whoever's going to be in that slot, whether it's Ingram, whether it's, you know, Ridley, um, he's going to be assigned to cover those guys. And I mean, he's got tremendous size and, and length to be able to cover those guys. So um, if not, it's Arthur Millette. Arthur Millette is uh, very undersized. So um, I wouldn't want to match him up against Ridley, to be honest. Um, you know, whether Ridley's playing well or not, I just think there's a, a, a physical mismatch there. But uh, but yeah, I, I think I think that'll be definitely one of the key matchups we're looking to looking uh, for the Jags to get back on track or whether the Ravens are going to continue to dominate. Yeah, if you're Jacksonville, I think you have to look at some of those matchups that you talked about with the cornerbacks and say, okay, Ridley's got to have a game here. And I think Jags fans and people who cover the team and even probably internally felt like Ridley should have been able to take advantage of some of the matchups he had against Cleveland, considering Denzel Ward, their best cumber corner by like a mile, was out. They had other guys step up, and Ridley just seems a little bit lifeless out there. So I think this is a very critical game for Ridley also consider the fact that the Jaguars are going to have to make some offseason decisions on him. So I think he needs to be able to step up in a primetime game here that's going to be key for the playoffs and just for the confidence of the Jags on this two-game losing streak. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that this is a huge game, like you're saying, for Ridley. Um, also for this defense, you know, let's shift sides to to that side of the ball. Like you said, past two games, um, they've uh, offered up a lot more air yards than you'd like to see. And really, in those two games, you're going against uh, two very much so pocket passers, right? Um, Browning, uh, I mean, 38-year-old Flacco, certainly. I mean, gosh, we, we all love Joe, obviously, <laughs> as Ravens fans here. But, um, I mean, you know, there's, there's a reason that Flacco was available, right? Uh, 38 years old and all those injuries – um, props to him for what he's doing and you know we're rooting for his stats we're certainly not rooting for him to win because then that would mean you know bumping us out but um yeah I there was in one play <laughs> i remember there was one play against the jags that i remember seeing speaking of like pocket passers where i think joe it was like a fake bootleg joe pulls out the other way and number i think it was number 90 on the jags should have had flacco dead to right you just literally just go up and try to tackle that because you know he's not gonna be able to escape uh, a sack in the open field like that he ends up going back into coverage and i was just like why <laughs> what a strange what a strange way to play that where it gets a 38 year old flacco like you know to me as a guy who's watched uh, flacco for his whole career like that's a play you just go after him and you know he's no way you're going to be able to escape that play <laughs> it was just very odd <laughs> <laughs> definitely man come down he'll make the tackle on the old guy yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Oh man, but um, very different matchup this week. Uh, so I think we got a lead when we're looking at defense with that. Lamar Jackson, um, last year against you guys, uh, you know, in the past game, it was 
a lot of, of uh, mediocrity. You know, he did finish with 254 yards, but a good chunk of that was a, a deep bomb pass to uh, um, Deshaun Jackson, who was actually on the Ravens for a couple games last year. Uh, on the ground, he had a lot of success. 14 carries, 89 yards, um, which was good for 6.4 per carry. So when you look at the Jaguars' defense this year compared to last year, do you feel like they're better or worse equipped to take on a, a dual threat quarterback like Lamar? And what do you think is going to be their um, their approach to trying to to contain what he can do? They're probably better this year just for the simple fact that Josh Allen is playing at a Pro Bowl and potential All Pro kind of level. He did not have a sack against Cleveland, but. Jags fans were all over social media saying they thought he was getting held on every play. I think Miles Garrett kind of felt the same way in that game and actually liked the way the officials called that game. They kind of let guys play. There were a couple of what people might describe of questionable pass interference flags that were not thrown in that game. But I felt like overall the officials kind of let them play football, which is ultimately what we're here to line up and do. So I think the fact that Allen has been so consistent getting after the passer should make them better theoretically to defend Lamar Jackson. That said, that guy's so dynamic in the open field that you're going to look like an idiot real quick saying that and even trying to get him on the turf, as you guys well know. <laughs> yeah. And on the other side, Trayvon Walker, even though he doesn't have a double-digit sack total this season yet, he's got a whole bunch of pressures. Like Allen and Walker have over 30 QB pressures on the season. I believe they're the only duo in the NFL to have that amount of pressures. Now that's one thing to pressure Jackson. It's a complete other thing to get him on the ground. So I do think that they're going to have to be weary of that, but you look at this linebacking core that has stayed relatively healthy. You have Devin Lloyd in the middle, who I think is very athletic and foyer Luke. And I think is one of the underrated linebackers in the league. He's trying to lead the NFL for three straight seasons in tackles. And I think this guy kind of is the, vocal leader of this defense and also the leader by example because he's a little bit undersized but he just makes play after play after play so I think kind of between those four guys they should have enough to be able to somewhat contain Jackson but as you guys well know it just takes one play with that dynamic athleticism and that high-end kind of Lamborghini speed to get loose real quick on you yeah I mean uh a lot of you know, a lot of things that can kind of go off of there. I mean, Olubikun. I, I think you know that matchup again. Going back last year, I mean, that was an incredible game from him. He ended up having 18 total tackles, uh, 13 solo, three tackles for loss. I mean, he was all over the place. Um, you know, I, I think, I think definitely having a strong linebacking core. I think it, it does a lot. I think for the Ravens, um, you know, negatively. I think um, obviously pass rush. That's you know one thing, one area that I think honestly I, I'd have to give the edge to the Jags because. Um, the Ravens tackle situations has been um, not ideal this year. Uh, Ronnie Stanley is a guy who, you know, I think his best games are likely behind him at this point because of all of his injuries that he's had. Um, he struggled a little bit. Um, I think the Ravens even decided to kind of have a rotation with the last game with um, Patrick McCary. So Stanley didn't even play the whole game. I think he ended up probably around, you know, 70% of the snaps or something like that. But um, and even Morgan Moses, I think he's had some struggle with uh, injuries as well. So, yeah, if I'm looking at this game against you know those guys against Josh Allen and uh, Trayvon Walker, I'm uh, I, I'm trying to dial up maybe some inside runs or um, you know some some quick plays. I think to to try not to uh, have Lamar stand back in the pocket for too long because as much as uh, you know he's able to escape, I think uh, this year in particular he 
hasn't he hasn't pulled that card as much uh, as maybe it had in the past. Um, I think we had kind of we've kind of talked about it on this show in terms of like um, pulling out a Superman cape. Um, you know, in, in the past, I think he'd be more than willing to just kind of uh, you know pocket breaks down. He's going to run for it and then pick up a lot of yards. This time, he's going to break the pocket, but he's going to try and find somebody downfield. And, uh, you know, sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't, and then ends up taking that sack or, you know, maybe you might escape for a couple yards, but you're not going to see those, you know, big, you know, 30, 40, 50 yard plays where Lamar just kind of escapes and run through a defense. That's probably good for Jacksonville to hear, but man, that guy is so electric in the open field. Yeah. I mean, gosh, watching the him live uh, last Sunday, I'm, was reminded again as I am reminded every time I see it. It's just how how lucky we are as a fan base to to have that guy. Um, it's still so crazy how many teams uh, passed on him in 2018, including the Ravens, because that was our second first round pick that year. <laughs> we had to trade back into the first round <laughs> to get him. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's been it's it's just been incredible for the Ravens, obviously. Um, yeah, so I, I guess you know you're talking about the, the front seven of his, his defense. Um, yeah. The, the, the linebackers um, definitely did catch my eye. Like you guys have a, a ton of talent there. Uh, certainly a lot of guys there who are, are having great seasons have had great careers, but um, yeah, I guess to move next would be to, uh, to the secondary, which is a group I, I will admit I'm not as familiar with as the rest of, of that defense. I was looking at a lot of guys and, and not names that I feel like, you know, the, the average NFL fan is, is terribly familiar with, um, I believe Andre Cisco, I remember, uh, from last year. Um, I, I know he's made some splash plays, uh, this year as, as well as last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we discussed the, some of the holes that we've seen in the past defense over the past couple of weeks is that, uh, due to injury scheme or, or what's really going on with the, uh, with the Jaguars secondary right now. But if it's been injury, but honestly, some of it's just been mental errors, missed assignments, and, and guys slipping. Like I mentioned, Darius Williams on fourth down against Cleveland to give up a big touchdown to Bell. Darius Williams has been the Jags' best cornerback this season. He's a guy that's really risen to the occasion a number of times, has a bunch of PBUs, has some interceptions, knows how to get his hands on the football and a large reason for that is because Tyson Campbell has kind of been in and out of the lineup. He didn't play last week against Cleveland. There was some thought that he could go, but he's kind of battling this nagging hamstring injury. And there were people at the start of the year, including my sometimes co-host on the Believe in Jaguars show, Clay Harbor, former NFL tight end, played for the Jags. It felt like this guy has a chance to be a top five cornerback in the NFL, but when you're not on the field, you can't even be in that conversation. So we'll have to monitor – Campbell's situation because he's a guy that has that elite talent, but he's got to stay on the field. You mentioned Cisco there. He flashed early in the season. I feel like he's been a little bit more inconsistent lately. Rayshon Jenkins had a pretty solid effort against the Browns, but a couple of those touchdowns were scheme as well. Doug Peterson admitted, especially the first one to Njoku off play action. The Jacks dialed up a blitz. It was just perfect play call against what Jacksonville was doing on defense. The other one, they just got got against Njoku, was streaking on the field wide open, busted the coverage. So they need to be much more consistent and just do the simple things right. Mike Caldwell's defense was talking about the Monday night football game where the crowd actually was too loud. that They couldn't get their signals around the defense properly against Jake Browning, which 
you know, at first blush, I'm kind of like, man, just deal with it. You're playing defense, like get it in, signal it, whatever you got to do. But it's kind of a positive for the Jags because they're not used to having that many fans in the building making that much noise. So it's something that they're just going to have to get used to and deal with. I've never really heard that as a pseudo excuse from a defensive coordinator, but something they got to play with. And Caldwell's unit looked like the backbone of this team, especially early on in the season when the offense was kind of going through it a little bit. And there were a bunch of drops there, you know, especially after they went into Indy in week one and put up 31 points to win the game. There's a bit of a lull from the offense there. So the defense needs to get back to playing consistent football. And I think it would be very beneficial for this defense overall if the secondary started to step up a little bit here. I think that front seven can be pretty good, especially the linebacking core, right? When you talk about Allen and Walker being a part of that with Lloyd and Aluka, and that's a very good linebacking core. I think it might even be in the discussion as one of the best in the NFL. Obviously, they run the 3-4, but still, it's a really good position group there for Jacksonville. So I think this secondary needs to step up and play more complimentary football. Like they've been playing together for a while and they have Monteric Buster Brown. I should mention him real quick. He's been the guy that's filling in for Tyson Campbell at cornerback. He's played probably above and beyond anybody's expectations at cornerback. So he's a guy that can play really well, but he's had his moments at times too, where he's broken down and had some of these mental errors that has gotten this Jacksonville defense the last couple of games. Yeah, I, I certainly think, um, you know, it's it, it's an area that to me, I think is the biggest question mark um, going into it from like a, a matchup um, against the Ravens. I think, you know, I think for the Ravens offense, we've, you know, historically relied much more on the run game. I think this year we've been trying to make uh, the pass game more of an emphasis. Um, one thing that really kind of has eluded us, though, uh, for most of the season has been the deep passing game up until the Rams game where it kind of felt like that was a point of emphasis over the bye. And we really started to see Lamar uh, air it out much more than he has. I mean, he ended up having over 300 yards passing. That's pretty rare for Lamar, actually. Um I think, uh, you know, he's, he's much more in the kind of the 200, 250 range with, you know, maybe about 50 to 70 yards rushing is, is probably about an average Lamar game. So um, I think if, you know, if the Ravens want to try and do that again this week, I guess I could see it. Um, but it's certainly something that, you know, as a Ravens fan, I'm not sure I feel totally good about just because we haven't seen consistent success there. Um, but certainly I think, I think you need to be able to kind of test the linebacking core tests the secondary of the Jags a little bit because, you know, as we've seen, like uh, you guys play as hard, I think not just in the game last year, but just like historically, I think the Jags play the Ravens pretty hard. I think they match up pretty well. Um, there's just something about these games. They always seem to be really close. So, um, you know, I don't think it's going to be easy. And I think, um, you know, I, I think it, it, it would be too easy for us to kind of be one dimensional in this offense. And so we got, we got to find a good mix of, 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 of power on offense just to be able to keep up with you guys I think even with all the injuries on the offense the one thing that the Jags need to do better overall is be used to playing in prime time right like this is the first time that Jaguars are going to play on Sunday Night Football I think going back way back like Trevor Lawrence was nine years old the last time they played on Sunday Night Football the last time they played on Monday Night Football was going all the way back to 2011 so this group in particular is not necessarily used to the primetime games. Doug Peterson is, though. His record in primetime is really good. It's among the best, if not 
the best among his NFL head coaching counterparts in the league. But I think that's a major difference going into this game is that the Ravens are used to this, right? Lamar Jackson and the group, John Harbaugh, everybody else, they're used to playing in the national spotlight. Jacksonville needs to step up and be ready for that. I saw a little bit of frustration from Lawrence on Monday night football. I think part of that was just due to the expectation and playing at home and the fact that everybody felt like they were going to just waltz all over Cincinnati, and that didn't happen. So I think we need to see Jacksonville prove if they're actually ready for primetime lights. Definitely. Yeah. Well, it looks like it's going to be an exciting game. Um, can't wait to watch that coming up right now. What we do, uh, Justin, um, we will give a uh, score prediction for the game and then uh, a bold prediction with that. So bold prediction can be, you know, whatever we want. You can make it reasonable. Say, you know, like, Trevor Lawrence is going to throw for three touchdowns. You can make it crazy. Say like Travis Etienne is going to get 700 yards rushing, you know, whatever. <laughs> There's no rules, whatever you want to say. Uh, you are the guest. So you get the opportunity to uh, go first if you want uh, or defer. So I'll give it a go, go, man. I think, I right. think I know where you guys are going with this one. I'll say that Calvin Ridley needs to have a game and if it's going to be under the primetime lights, there's no better time to do it when everybody's been kind of all over you consistently. So I'll say Ridley goes for over 150 yards in this game to kind of shut up some of his naysayers. But, you know, as for a prediction this game, I think it's a tough one to put a handicap on overall, right? You got the Ravens coming off a highly emotional, wild overtime win against the Rams the Jags are coming off their first road loss of the season in a game where they kind of got beat up a little bit more. I don't love this spot for Jacksonville being at home because they haven't really played there, but I think the Jags feel like their backs are against the wall and they come out fighting here and they win a very scrappy, tight, physical game, something like 23, 20, 24, 21, 2017 in that range. You know, I definitely think that the Ravens can win it. That obviously wouldn't surprise me, but I just feel like that emotional letdown after that victory last week that Baltimore had can really favor the Jags and the Jags need to be focused here. They need to win this game. They're only one game up in the division. Yes, they have some tiebreakers, but those other teams, Indy and Houston are right on their heels. And there was a time not too long ago, just two games ago, fellas, that everybody in Duval County was talking about Jacksonville competing for the number one seed in the AFC. So it is put up or shut up time, I think, for this version of the Jaguars. I like it. Always love when we have a guest come in here and and, uh, and defend their team, man. It's great. All right. So before Chris or I give our predictions, um, Alec, uh, our third host, um, was unable to make it tonight, but he did record his uh, bold prediction and stats or score prediction, I should say. And we're going to hear about that right now. With the Ravens favored by three and a half points on a Sinai game where the over under is 43.5. I think it's going to be a really tough game with the Jaguars. I think they're a good team. I think we underestimated me last time, even though we said they were on the ascendancy, they definitely like showed that they're, they're here and they're real. The defense is pretty solid. And uh, I think Lawrence is still a good quarterback despite his injury. So I think the Ravens do win this game. I think they win 31 to 24. And I think it's on the uh, 
defense side of the ball where the big plays will come. I, I'm thinking that the secondary does get a pick and that uh, we also register three sacks. And I think this is significant because against the Rams, what was effective was these high-low concepts and, uh, you know, just like quick decisions. The ball was coming out kind of quick and the pass rush was kind of non-existent and they didn't get any interceptions. So I'm hoping to see a little bit of a turnaround and for the defense while giving up points being a key part of turning the game around. All right. Alec picks the Ravens to win, which shocked absolutely no one. I think he has a 100% uh, take there. I've always taken the Ravens. Um, man, yeah, this is an interesting game. And I, I, I think, Justin, you put out a, a really interesting aspect of this game, you know, that the Jaguars, they don't want to lose three straight. Like you said, they've had all this momentum going. They're going to be desperate. Um, they will be at home, which interestingly is a place that, that – um, Ever since the disbandment of the uh, AFC Central, um, the Ravens have only have one win on the road against Jacksonville. Uh, that, that was in 2016 on a Justin Tucker field goal, and four other games against in Jacksonville or London, which have been losses for them. So tough, tough spot for the Ravens here historically on the road. Obviously, teams are different. Um, and, you know, one thing that concerns me about this game for the Ravens, and we talked about it while we were watching the game, um, is they won, yes, but there were a lot of mistakes. There were a, a, a lot of ways that game could have gone south. So, you know, it's this game could be a wake-up call for them that you have to, you know, sure those things up. I think that the desperation factor is going to give the Jaguars the slight edge here, 30-27, to 27. Uh, my bold prediction here is that we're going to get 400 yards of total offense from Lamar Jackson. Um, but, you know, Ooh. that might be enough. We'll see. Um, honestly, you know, I, I'm going to give you guys the edge just because it's at home. And like I said, you guys have to win this game. But honestly, this game really feels like a toss up. Either team could win this one. It's going to be a tight. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's really tricky because I, I think the last, um, I mean, the last four games for the Ravens, you got at Jags, at 49ers, and then home games against the Dolphins and Steelers. Um, Steelers right now, I think, are looking uh, looking on the downturn um, just after you know injuries and just bad play from them. But uh, those three games, um, certainly a gauntlet. And as much as I, I like, I really. The Jags are going to have to win this game, but honestly, I, I don't know if the Ravens can afford to lose this one either. I think of the three, the Niners game, uh, just from a seeding perspective, I think like that's the game to lose. I think you've got to win these games against the Jags and the Dolphins uh, to compete in the AFC to try to get that one seed um, or you know whatever seed they want to try and get. Um, I do think it's going to be close, though. Yeah, these games, these games against Jacksonville, man, they're always weird. Um, they're always close when you don't think they're going to be close. Even when the Jags were terrible, um, these games were close or they ended up winning these games. It's just crazy uh, how that works. So I can see it going either way. I'm gonna pick the Ravens though. I can't I can't have I can't have three of us picking the Jags on this uh on this pod, three <laughs> out of four. I can't do that. So keep I'm gonna say even. they win. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it even. Um I'm gonna say they win. I'll say um I'll say 27-24. Like I said, I think it's gonna be close. Um as far as bold predictions, um Marcus Williams, um, I think he's going to have an interception this game. Uh, I think he's, I think he's earned it. It's been a while. 
with him coming back from his injuries. Um, I think he's been getting better every week. I think he's been making plays. Um, tackling hasn't been um, as best. I think it's been up and down. But I think from like a ball hawking perspective, he's gotten his hands on a couple of footballs. There was one um, ended up making a play out of bounds on a 2-2 out well. Um, could have came down with that pick if that ball was uh, you know, a little bit uh, more uh, inside the field of play. So um, I think he's going to make a big play that's going to make a difference in this game. All on the record, boys. I like it. <laughs> All right. There you have it. Well, Justin, once again, thanks so much for coming on. It was a pleasure uh, talking this game with you. And let's hoping that we all have a you know a great game to watch this Sunday night. It's going to be a real uh, letdown if this is a blowout one way or the other. I want to see a nice competitive game against these two teams. And we'll see. We'll see what, where both these teams end up when it's all said and done. But uh, thank you also to all you listening. Um, as always, you can catch us on YouTube. Uh, we're on Twitter wherever you download podcasts and look it's getting late in the season we're getting close to the playoffs it's picture starting to get clear it's been a great season let's see how this ends up go ravens <laughs> <laughs>